So we're talking about matters of the mind. And we'll talk some more about it tonight. Do you know that God's people oftentimes uh, run into distressing life situations? It's just the way it is. It's a reality we simply have to face this side of heaven. And we read about accounts of distress in the Bible. But along with the distress, the God who knows what his people are going through also sends comfort, even consolation. So you have this juxtaposition of real-life distress and divine consolation. And there's an event of this partnership which is recorded for us by God, thank God, down to this very day. It's for our encouragement and instruction. And it's contained in Psalm 94. It's a great psalm that talks about the distressing life experience of a godly man, not someone on the run, somebody in the Lord's company. Still, he experienced great distress, and his name was David. You know him. In particular, he was oppressed in his spirit uh, by the realities of the world in which he lived. Uh, Specifically, he was deeply distressed over the fact that evildoers and their influence, evildoers in position of great authority, were holding sway in the world and and were corrupting it and influencing it. In fact, David felt actually abused by it all, exploited, mistreated, devalued by it all. Evildoers in positions of high influence, you see. So he was experiencing, if you will, a kind of environmental disarray. The environment of the day was affecting him on the inside. So that being the context, I would like to call your attention just to two verses in this psalm in particular. And it's Psalm 94, verses 18 and 19. And uh, I, I tried to memorize it. I'm working on it. It doesn't come easy, but I wanted to stick I wanted to stick in there, so um, follow along if you have a Bible, Psalm 94, verses 18 and 19. Tell me if I get this right. Now, I memorized this in the New American Standard. That's not the best translation. Yours is the best translation. Just read it. Just read the Bible. So um, tell me if I generally get this right. I think it says something like this. If I should say my feet have slipped. Or my foot has slipped. Your loving kindness, O Lord, will hold me up. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. Is that generally uh, correct? Okay, stay with it because you'll be tested on it later. It's a great uh, truth to memorize. It's a striking text if you think about it. David, God's man, was in essence losing his grip. His emotions were overruling his reason. Uh, He is having difficulty just standing. He's having difficulty functioning. He's surely having difficulty going on. The circumstances in his life were absolutely overwhelming him. He felt that he was slipping and concluded that if he should express this, if he should 
be honest about it. If he should say this to God, he concluded he would meet up, not with God's rebuke or disdain. He would find himself uh, being enraptured in the love of God for him even more. God would love him in his weakness, in his honesty, in his authenticity, in his pain, in his unsettledness. God would love him all the more. God would break through it all. David had this conviction, reminding him, persuading him, showing him, in fact, that he was deeply loved when he felt so deeply unloved and put upon And he had reason to think this. I don't want to minimize David's pain. He was hated at this point. He was hated even by family members. Have you tasted that? Oh, you don't have to raise your hand. I just want you to know the Bible relates to you. He was hated by family members and he was hated by people in positions of influence and authority. He was oppressed. He was abused. Have you been abused? Uh, David was being abused. He was mistreated. He was misunderstood. Do you feel undervalued by people close to you? David felt undervalued by people in high positions. And because of it all, I think he was on the verge of an emotional collapse. He was on the verge of caving in. But he felt that if he uttered, even in the midst of his distress and his pain... Even in the midst of his uh, very legitimate and understandable fear that he was losing his grip on his own life. If he should say out loud to God, my foot has slipped. It's a metaphor. It's a Hebrew idiom. It means I'm losing my hold. I cannot stand. David said, if I should say this to God, if if I should not hide behind any kind of mask, if I should just be honest, if I should come out in the open, And face God, who knows my thoughts anyway, before they've even yet been expressed. If I should express these uh, honestly and without fear. If I should say, oh God, my foot has slipped. Then David knew God would love on him all the more. I didn't say people would. I didn't say God's people always respond appropriately. But David knew God would. God would love on him all the more. And God would lovingly Even when he's feeling, David, when he's feeling he's slipping, God would lovingly hold him up. If I should say my foot has slipped, your loving kindness will hold me up. So David is deep in thought. He's immersed in his thought. Uh, He uh, he's thinking you can understand this. You've done this. He's thinking about his life. He's thinking about its hurts. He's thinking about those who have hurt him and continue to do so. He's thinking about pain and those who have caused him such great pain. You've done this as well. And yet somehow in the midst of it all, he managed, it was a matter of the mind, I'm telling you. He managed to redirect his thoughts from all of this to God. And when he shared his thoughts, when he simply told God what he was thinking and feeling, then he found strength. Isn't that an interesting surprise? It would be a surprise if you haven't done it before. You might fear rejection, rebuke. No, no, no. David said, no, 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 no. When I tell God, even at the extremity of my need, that in spite of his love and sovereignty, I feel like I'm slipping away into a downward spiral I cannot extricate myself from. When I express this to God, he doesn't say to me, where is your faith? He hugs me. He helps me. His loving kindness 
folds me up. Have you experienced that? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. If not, you don't know what you're missing. The externals in David, uh, in his life, sadly did not change. But the internals changed. You see, it's a matter of the mind. I can't control what's happening. Neither can you. But what's going on inside? Yeah, yeah. We could take control of that. The externals didn't change. The circumstances in his life did not change. His thinking about it did. And he found himself being held onto. He found himself being held tightly. He found himself being held up just when he felt that he was slipping away. David lived here. Did you know that? In this world, just as we do. And for he and for all of us, did you know life? is an anxiety-producing event. I mean, it just is. So David admits to it. Why not you? Why not me? David said, not if. He says, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me. Wow. See those two words, anxious thoughts? It's interesting. The root meaning of, of those two words... Um, have to do with the tree and its branches, which extend from it in manifold directions. David uses this vocabulary as if to say, folks, look at a tree. Do you notice its branches shooting off from the stem in each and every direction? Do you see them all entangled and intertwined and entwined and confused and all the rest and jockeying for position? Do you see them tossed and turned by the wind? That's what's going on in my head. That's what he's saying. My thoughts are like that tree with its entangled branches. You know what he's saying? In my mind are a great many thoughts shooting off in every direction. My thoughts are, are like the entangled branches of a tree. Therefore, I am restless. I am unsettled and I am confused. You know what that is? That's an unbelievably precise description of anxiety. Yeah, that's what it is. If you've experienced it, you know it's true. David says, when these anxious thoughts, do you notice the word multiply within me? You know what he's saying? I'm not struggling with a singular thought that's giving me a hard time. That's the problem. I have a mob of entangled thoughts in my head. I have a mob of anxious thoughts in my head. And they're all jostling for position. If you have experienced anxiety, that's you. That was him. David is feeling as if he's being carried away on the inside, as if he's being carried away by a flood. His thoughts are multiplying and they're racing. Have you had racing thoughts? Don't raise your hand. This is just, these are rhetorical questions. This is just between you and the Lord. Racing thoughts, racing thoughts. You can't stop. You can't slow it down. So that's anxiety. David says, I'm carried away by it all. My thoughts are multiplying within me. They're racing. They're leaping one over the other. They're a raging mob in my head. And when this happens, it is so serious. It is so extreme. It is so real. It is so desperate. When this happens in his mind, he declared, your consolations delight my soul. I find this to be fascinating. If you're someone struggling with the same kind of anxious thoughts, to be frank, you're not looking for delight. You're simply looking for a measure of calm and composure. 
you have lowered the bar. <laughs> You're saying delight is for others. I'll just take survival. David said, nah, but when all this is happening to me, I found that the consolations of God not only calmed me, brought me peace, composed me, and enabled me to get through the day. Oh, no. God's consolations. Those are words, you know. Words are to be thought of. <laughs> Your consolations delight my soul. Look, life turned upon David. So David turned his thoughts to God. Do you? Do I? Do it. Don't be a lazy thinker. You can't control what's out there. You can't control what's in here. When life turns upon you, be sure to turn your thoughts about it to God. He could, David could find no sufficient relief, no sufficient creature helps. So instead he sought creator helps. Do you? Do I? I tell you, sometimes nothing works. Nobody works. There's a reason. When we can't find creature helps, it's because the creator wants us to look for creator helps. David did. He told God all about it. And David, at his weakest, found help from the one who is the strongest. Have you? You don't have to be strong. You just have to be in the grip of the one who's the strongest. In an article which was sent to me by one of our church members, Donnie Bertram over there somewhere, which I really, really, really appreciate. Donnie knows that I need all the help I can get. So he sent me a wonderful article which suits, I think, uh, our series and this message, and I really appreciate it, uh, Donnie. And the article reports some research on the brain, uh, which was performed by... Uh, Scientists at the University of Toronto, in which they found that the conclusion of their study, this, believing in God can help block anxiety and minimize stress. Did you know that? We could have saved them all kinds of money. Hey, man, we could have just given them three verses on this and take these and go to bed. Don't mess around with your... Re That's what they conclude. This is a direct quote. Believing in God can help block anxiety and minimize stress. That's what they say up there at the University of Toronto in Canada. Their research actually revealed... Tell me if you can accept this. It's true. Actually revealed distinctive brain differences between those who believe in God and those who do not. I've been trying to tell you, and thank you for being so gracious to me and not beating me up over this because it's not exactly the typical fare. I've been trying to tell you this beautiful brain, this organ, is a marvelous creation of Almighty God. And it ought to be understood so that we can see in its complexity how great God is. And, and, and in it, he made us with neurons and they talk to one another, if you will. I've mentioned this, but they, they do it through liquids, through chemicals. They pass messages from one neuron to another, and they're called neurotransmitters. And we have the technology now to track activity in the brain. And these researchers in Toronto concluded this. When two groups of people are introduced to a stress-inducing stimuli, maybe an image of a car accident or who knows what, when they're introduced to a stress-inducing stimuli, the believer's brainwave activity is distinctively different than that of the non-believer. They find that the believer's brain activity is much less exacerbated and aroused 
It's much less anxious, if you will, than those who do not believe in God. I find that to be absolutely fascinating. Do you realize, you know, uh, around here, our, our, the, what ties us together, it's so wonderful, I love this, is that our desire to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Isn't that good? That's worth memorizing, don't you think? To be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Well, this is kind of a unique way to show it, I think. We should all volunteer to have our uh, brains examined. Let's do this. And we'll say, we guarantee when you check out our brains and compare it to non-believers, you'll see living proof of a loving God. Because our brain activity is a lot healthier. (laughs) I'm telling you, it ought to be true. Listen, the Lord Jesus ought to make that kind of difference in our lives. A more recent study as a follow-up to the one I just mentioned to you was done by uh, researchers at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago. It was an expansion on the research done by uh, our Canadian friends. And it concluded that in patients diagnosed with very serious clinical depression, belief in a concerned and caring God vastly improved their response to the treatment they were receiving. In other words, they got over their clinical depression a whole lot faster. If they had a belief, not just in a God, this was the operative variable, in a personal God who was caring and concerned. Look, I don't need the research to tell me that. Neither do you. The Bible tells me that. I'm just thrilled that science is sort of catching up uh, with the Word of God. It's got a long way to go, for sure. But it's catching up. This just very... Look, this is a physiological substantiation for what David said. No kidding. In his personal life, he experienced what these researchers are talking about now. These studies simply demonstrate physiologically what David experienced personally. David was slipping. His anxious thoughts were multiplying. He said it, not me. They were multiplying like the branches of a tree within him. He turned to God. He turned to the God he knew cared and was concerned. He turned to the God who he knew personally. He turned to this God. David said, I'm held up. I'm held tight. I'm loved. I'm enraptured by your love. I'm consoled. David said, not only that, my soul is filled with delight. Well, I would have loved to examine David's brain, wouldn't you? No. His problem, you see, David's problem was not in the world. It was in his mind. And a mind problem requires a mind remedy. That's the way it is. His thoughts, therefore, needed to be challenged and they really needed to be changed. They needed to be put in consistency with the mind of the Messiah. He needed the consoling thoughts of Almighty God to interrupt, interfere, to distract him from his multiplying anxious thoughts because they were doing him in. He was losing his grip. He was slipping. And by the way, so too do you and I need the same medicine, if you will. We too need... Uh, to distract our troubled minds from all the trouble with the consolations of Almighty God. So what I would like to do now, just as we draw to a close, is take uh, some extended minutes of your time. I just want you to sit and relax and receive the consolations, some of the consolations of Almighty
mighty God. Listen, I will never leave you or forsake you. Nothing can separate you from my love. I have cast all your sins behind my back. I love you with an everlasting love. If even your father and your mother were to forsake you, you can count on me. I will take you up. Do you want to know how much I love you? I call you my children. I want you with me forever. And to prove it, I left you my own spirit. You need help every day. My compassions are new for you every day. You, you are so intensely weak. But I am strong. Come to me. When you are burdened, I will give you rest. I'm your stronghold in the day of trouble. Take refuge in me. I began something in you, and I promise I will complete it. Are you anxious? Throw it all on me. I care for you. I'm not punishing you. I love you, but I discipline those whom I love. I have planned every day of your life. Sometimes, sometimes you can't even speak, but I know your thoughts even before you express them. I know you think sometimes I am withholding what you want and need, but realize this, I gave you my best. I gave you my son. So how could it be that I would not, with him, freely give you all the rest of what you need? You do not disappoint me. I saw it all coming (laughs) before I offered you my life. I think about you all the time. I'm not angry with you. Just wait. You'll see. One day, you'll understand. I see your tears. Let me tell you this. One day, no more tears. I know what I'm doing. And I'm doing something so wonderful in your day, you couldn't even understand it if I chose to explain it to you. I know what you've lost. But you will never lose me. I know what you don't have, but you shall always have me. Of course you don't deserve it, but you are mine, and I'm going to give it to you anyway. Nope, you're not stuck. I'm changing you all the time. I know you fell down, but I'm cheering for you. So get up. Finish the race. It is sin. You're right. But I have plenty of grace and mercy waiting for you. I'm not tired of you. I'm not tired of hearing from you. I'm here. I'm near. Keep coming. You know where those words of consolation came from? The Bible. It's just, I made up nothing. Those are all the words of consolation from God's word, the Bible. 
I entertained the idea that I would tell you where to find them. Chapter, you know, book, chapter, uh, verse, so you could find them. But then I thought, oh, no. I don't want to rob you of the joy of finding them yourself. I had such a good time doing this. Thank you for allowing me to study this. I really mean this. I can't tell you what I joy. I didn't even want to stop. This is just a sampling of words of consolation. You see, David knew of them. I found them. You know what I did? I went on a treasure hunt. I went shopping. Oh, man. There are riches in the storehouse of God's word. I want to invite you to go on your own on a consolation hunt. Don't worry about, I don't know the original Greek. I don't know the Hebrew. I haven't been to seminary. No, 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 no. Neither did David. (laughs) Go shop. Take the father's hand through the mall, if you will, of consolation. (laughs) And then memorize it. Something will be all over you. Something will help you just like it did David. Something will untangle all of your entwined and entangled thoughts. Something will rid your mind of this mob of anxiety. Something will so console you that you'll actually find yourself. It's unbelievable. You'll find yourself smiling because you've been delighted by words of consolation. Don't miss out on it. And when you find it, memorize it. Memorize it. Chew on it. Reflect on it. Let it become a permanent imprint on your mind as a tape to tape over, to erase the other thoughts that have been there for so long. They're killing you. They're, kill- they're not your friend. They're not doing you any good. They're not your friend. Get rid of them. Put new thoughts in there. So I've been working on Psalm 94, 18 and 19. And now you will as well. So I'll say a phrase. You say it after me. We'll add to it. By the time we're done, you'll have it. Here we go. If I should say, so you say that. If I should say, there you go. My foot has slipped. Say that. My foot. So now we run it together. If I should say, my foot has slipped. Very good. Your loving kindness. Say that. Your loving kindness. Now we do it together. If I should say my foot has slipped, your loving kindness will hold me up. Say that. Will hold me up. Let's do that again. Will hold me up. So here we go. If I should say my foot has slipped, your loving kindness will hold me up. That's good. When my anxious thoughts, say that, when my anxious thoughts, if I should say my foot has slipped, your loving kindness will hold me up. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, say that, multiply within me. You got the image of the branches of a tree? Multiply within me. Let's take it from the beginning. If I should say my foot has slipped, your loving kindness will hold me up when my anxious thoughts multiply within me. Here, I love this. Your consolations delight my soul. Let's do that. Your consolations 
delight my soul. To be consoled, to be comforted. That's what God says he will do for us. Your, say it with me, your consolations delight my soul. Okay, this is a big one. Two whole verses. Let's do it. If I should say my foot has slipped, your loving kindness will hold me up. When my anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. They do, Lord Jesus. And so we're grateful for it. You have sent to us not only the comforter, but words of comfort along with him to lift us up, to straighten out our entangled web of anxious thoughts, to put a smile on our face. You've done your part. We must do ours. We must appropriate your words of consolation. We'll do this, Lord Jesus. It's good for us. It's exercise in godliness. It bears fruit for this life and for the life to come. Thank you for telling us about David, a king, royalty, yet a human like us, someone whose heart was open to you and yet whose mind oftentimes was troubled. Okay, that's us too. But we want to do what he did. Oh God, console us with words of truth, the likes of which you have consoled us with tonight. Help us, oh God, with a hunger and a thirst to go on a consolation treasure hunt through the pages of your marvelous word. Thank you for loving us with a love that will not let us go. That alone consoles us deeply. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You love us. We love you back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.